the first ever a Southside perspective. Uh, thank you so much for pressing play. I really, really, really appreciate the listen. So the first ever guest of all time is all around good dude, Stanley Cup champion, NHL veteran, dyslexia advocate, Mr. Brent Sopel. But I wanted to do a quick disclaimer. Um, we re- we recorded this about a month ago, and it was prior to any of this coronavirus or uh, sheltering type stuff. So we don't touch on any of the uh, current happenings of the state of society. We did this one in person about a little over a month ago. But anyway, thank you so much for pressing play. Welcome to the first ever Southside Perspective. Please enjoy uh, the first ever guest, Mr. Brent Sopel. All right, all right, all right, all right. A Southside Perspective special guest today. Awesome dude. Uh, NHL alum, Stanley Cup champion, advocate for dyslexia, all-around good cat. Brent Sopel is in the building, ladies and gentlemen. Hi, Brent. Thanks for having me, sir. How are you doing today? <laughs> We're well. Thanks for doing it. Uh, I debated telling you this or not, but I kind of took you off mic. You, I don't know how we'll drop them. I guess we'll have to drop it this way. This is the first, this is the inaugural. This is uh, the first oh, ever oh, oh. Southside perspective. I'll write you the check after. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, man, appreciate you doing this. We are in this, the suburbs of Chicago, hanging out, talking life. You just came from some meetings. You and I have linked up most recently at your foundation outing. You had the Brent Sobel Foundation uh, golf outing slash concerts, which you were gracious enough to invite mm-hmm. me to. Thank no, you, you were gracious enough to, to come and uh, entertain us, so um, thank you goes out to you. Yeah, it was fun. That thing's getting pretty cool. You know, it's, uh, you know, with dyslexia, I tell my board members, we're different, so we got to put on different events, and uh, we did it with Dennis Quaid. <laughs> Dennis Quaid. <laughs> so yeah, so Brent, with the help of others, through his foundation, through a awesome golf outing slash basically concert. We'll call after party, yeah, after party yeah, with music. Yeah, and yeah, fun. yeah. And Dennis Quaid, the actor, the guy from the insurance commercials, amongst tons of other things, was he played music. He was yeah. a headlining act, and I did the music thing, so I was one of the openers, which was super fun. And we just got our Quaid on all night. It was an interesting. It was an interesting night. For a good cause, though. Yeah, it was a great. It was a great cause. It was. A, it was a great event. Again, thank you. It, um, changed a lot of lives. Saved a lot of lives. It was a. It was a lot of fun. And you were part of number one. I guess I'm part of number one too. And it looks like number two is already kicking off already. Like I see guests already booked and things are happening. I'm seeing on yeah. the social medias. Yeah, May. You know, May 18th. So. Um, a lot of planning goes into it, and being dyslexic, not a very good planner. So, uh, <laughs> probably shouldn't laugh at that. But you're telling it like a joke, I'll laugh. Or, you know, I you know, it's, if I can't laugh myself, what can you yeah, do? Yeah, you yeah. know, so, um, you know, a lot of work goes into it to, to make it, uh, you know, a good event and to educate people on it, you know, what exactly is going on. The awareness that you've schooled me to is like, it's wild not to just fully dive in like you're telling me some of the stats about you know one in five and some other things that kind of almost sound fake, fake yeah. or at least embellished until you dive in and you look in and you're like oh my gracious you know a lot of people say you know that, that can't be true you know they go and google it and yeah it's it's astronomical you're right you know one in five have it um it's hereditary so it's not going anywhere you're born with a right brain wired differently so it's there's no shot or pill that can 
you know, fix it. What everyone knows is autism. That's one in 65 and it's not hereditary. So, and you found out about your diagnosis pretty late in the game. I was 30, 32 years old. So that's way late in the game. Yeah. So you went through school and hockey and the whole deal, kind of <laughs> not knowing what was going no, on. I was reading at a grade four level in high school. Did, and did you know that? Yeah, you know, like I, through testing, through testing, and the, and I'm all like, oh, you you tested me for that, but didn't go any further. Nobody knows what dyslexia is today, so they didn't know what it was 25 years ago. Yeah, for real. So I'm, you know, I don't blame. There's no blame. It's just that what I'm doing is talking about it is just want to advocate for any kid not to feel the way I do. Hockey, I would imagine, was an outlet then. It was what I call it was a lifeline. Wow. It was the only thing. I could get my self-esteem from. And you're from Canada. God's country. God's country. God's country. Out of Saskatoon? Where Sask- are you from? Yeah, Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. Yeah. It's only a 22-hour drive from here. Not bad. Um, Straight through. So you started playing young. Is it like that's just inbred? You know, much? obviously in Canada, in in Saskatchewan, where we where you know I'm from, just about every school has an outdoor rink. That's wild. So, you know, we're all we're always on it. But for me, that's, I could step on that place and let my mind go. Yeah. Because in school, for those eight hours, it was miserable. The, yeah, the, the stress of that has got to be insane. Of Just like, it's hard enough to be like a kid and an adolescent and trying to fit in yeah. and maybe girls or whatever. All the quote unquote regular stuff. And then you, you add like the, the. Anxiety, and that's the what I always talk about is that self-esteem, the inside portion of you. Yeah, you know, you're told you're dumb, stupid, lazy. Guess what? Year after year, you believe it, and that you know, the anxiety, knowing that I got to go to school, and you know, um, class clown or a bully. There's a reason why I was a bully. Yeah, you know, I had the kid that I bullied in high school reach out to me. Recently. Yeah. Or like as an adult yeah, or whatever? Yeah. Just uh, right before the golf event. I actually tried no to bring way. him to the golf event. How, what, what did he, did you guys make amends? Or what do yeah, you mean? You know, what, was that, what was that about? Yeah, you know, he reached out to me and yeah, and we've had, you know, a lot of conversations. But again, I didn't know until I was 32 and I was dyslexic. But, you know, when you're laughed at. Yeah. And, and you know, I remember, you know, obviously grade nine is a freshman, as you guys call it. Two weeks in, you know, I'm reading in front of the class, getting laughed at. Brutal. You, you know, grade 11, you know, junior biology, trying to do a presentation. And uh, I had kids laughing. And when I stopped it, I'm like, listen, you motherfucker, I'm going to come kick the shit out of you. So you took the aggressive route. You know, that was, again, I didn't know what it... It probably worked band-aid-wise on the short term. Not advocating for that at no. all. I'm just saying, like, in the short term, because you're, like, a big dude. I you was, were probably a big kid. You know, I've been this height you know, I am now since I was, like, 12. Yeah. You know, but it was... I didn't know what it was. You know, playing hockey, my root... You know, I'm sure you talked to some of the guys. My rituals and routines were fucked up. Yeah. But that was... My life was that way. The... Yeah, you were, like, just rumor <laughs> will legendary for routines. Yeah. Like, let me tap this it's, twice and do this and, you know, circle the block three times. Yeah. Whatever. It, what, what, it, some it, was, the, what were some of the fun ones that it, you had? There's no, no fun well, ones. I look back and, and it, you know, it's, I had to turn and, I, you know, at this time and I had to stand up in this time and I had, I had to turn here and I had to turn yeah. the music on. Like, just... But that was the only way I knew how to hold my life together. So it was kind of the glue. Yeah. And if I didn't do that to a T... 
I was horrendous on the ice. Now, do you, is that correlated, do you think, to dyslexia? Or is that just hints of OCD? Or I say affectionately, we're all a little nuts. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know oh, I mean? I'm, com- like, I'm completely nuts. So. You know, like, what is, no, where that, does that fall? That into? was my dyslexia. You think um, so? Or you know so? More, yeah. you know, because I was, I didn't understand what was going on with me. I only slept three hours a night. Uh, um, I think I was the only NHL player ever to not take a pregame nap. Yeah, everyone naps, right? You yeah. go to morning skate. I go to take mall, the nap. I go to the mall, gas station, whatever. So, my life was spinning, you know, like a top, or you know, or a blender in full speed, and not knowing why. Up until thirty some odd years old. You know, actually, really, when I went to rehab, got sober, and then I could start looking back and connecting dots. Got it. Do you, does alcohol, for you and in general, affect? the dyslexia or is it just like another bad thing you throw in the bucket because now you're just uh, whatever the word is uh, yeah, overcompensating over or using a crutch or yeah. whatever a doctor would so say it's, you know it's not it doesn't affect the dyslexia but the pain and scars that I have yeah. so I'm just masking yeah, that, you know, yeah exactly the real world you know is a bitch and I played hockey for you know my whole life 40 years yeah so stepping into the real world when you're 40 when you have no education you got learning disorders. Can't work in corporate America. All right, what do you do? Yeah. Well, a lot of the guys in general have troubling what I call civilian yeah. life, like adjusting to civilian life. Like you you had a quite a long career too. A lot of guys are out when they're 33. And then it's like, oh, shit, now I don't know. We don't live in the real world because you yeah. go from school, you know, kindergarten all the way up. Then you go right pro hockey. And the real world of the nine to five and it's doing the, it, it, it's, you know, so you don't enter it till you're 32, 33, whatever it was. I was almost 40 years old. Yeah. And you want to talk about a deer in headlights? Big time. Because, like you said, it's not a friendly place anyways. Right. It's already harsh. And now you got some other stuff going on. So I'm 40 years old being like a college kid without an education. That's brutal. And I would imagine not to be in your business. Like, you play in the league, you probably got a few bucks in your pocket too, which is like a dangerous I was combination. Di- I was divorced at that time, so oh, she took so it off. So I, got, so I, I lost it, it all. She's yeah. got it all. So if you need it, go talk, call her. But yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but in general, like a lot of these, you get out, you've got idle time, you've got money, and you're you're popular, right? Like yeah. usually kind of like, oh, fuck, Brent's here. <laughs> Buy, get Brent a beer. It's line yeah. him up, Brent. Like, oh, fuck, I'm hanging out with Brent Sobel or whatever. You the, know what the I mean? The old idle mind is dangerous. Yeah, yeah. Free time is a killer. Mm. Like, you got to have something. You know, and that's, it's, you know, we've done hockey or whatever that sport is for so long and everybody's like, oh, what do you want to do? I don't know. Yeah. You know, so you're retired from baseball, football. We don't know. They don't help us. And to understand what the real world is, it's something that you can't just start looking at a year or two away from retirement. Yeah, it's it's gotta be a longer process. Way longer, and the real world admittedly sucks anyway. Yeah, like first class problems. But who wants to like go to work or do this when you can just be like, oh, and morning skates at ten, and the meals laid out, and the cool green shake is made for you, and then the hotel nap that you're not gonna take is at noon. Like I, you know, and and what you're want to build off that is that we were told to be somewhere. I was told to be somewhere for forty years, and you school to hockey, and now nothing. Yep. That's wild. Dude, I get idle time, which is nowhere near the same, even just like when you catch yourself like, 
on like a weird vacation yeah. or in between jobs or hey I was supposed to take a flight and go out but then it snowed so I'm weirdly at home for a week with nothing yeah, yeah. to do and it's just like oh you better find a routine it's, quick you know and that's what it is it's you know obviously you talk about a lot of athletes getting divorced you know we're always traveling so the wives are home with the kids yeah and now now the husbands are home they're miserable because they don't know what to do <laughs> and the wives are probably weird to like get your ass out of the house you know and, and then <laughs> they turn to drinking. You know, then one leads to two to three, and you know that's why I think divorce rate is so high. In, you know, professional athletes, sixty to seventy percent, is because we don't know what to do. Right. Now what? Now what? Yeah. You know. And if you got nothing to do tomorrow, you can have a few more pops because it doesn't really matter if you're a little hungover, if you stay up yeah. late, or do whatever. It doesn't so matter. It's like but a vicious cycle. You have no worth. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's an interesting point too, because like even me, just being like office guy with the Blackhawks. A lot of your value, perceived value, is put in the like, oh, you're a Blackhawks guy. You're a hockey guy. Like, oh, that's the kid. He's got the rings or whatever. Like, and you almost, for me, I was smart enough to avoid it becoming my identity, yeah, yeah. but it almost becomes your identity of like, would I still be cool dude to you if I wasn't Blackhawks guy? No, I wouldn't be. You know what I mean? <laughs> and that's, that's the life I grew up in. Yeah. You know, so my life is. Completely different than anybody. You know, Google my name. You can find anything out. Yeah, you know, any and all of it. And you got to watch. You know, everywhere you go, and you're representing the team, and you got to, you know, you got to be smart, and you're looking over your shoulder twenty four seven. Yeah. And that that is your identity. It was my identity. Still is my identity. You know, always will be. It's a it's a blessing that it is. That you have that and I have it on a micro level, but that you just absolutely have to like recognize that that's not like internally that's not my worth. It's no, like, I'll be your cool well, hockey guy. Yeah, you can buy yeah, me yeah. coffee and I'll you know talk to your kid and sign your autograph. But as long as like my my self worth isn't centered in that that I'm that guy. You know, yeah. hockey was great. You know, I lived around the world. You know, got me here and it got me a platform to build my foundation. Yeah, and advocate for kids. So. There's a reason, you know, I'm, I'm grateful, even though I've got a lot of pain that goes, you know, with it. Um, you know, I want to stand the cup, but it's, it's allowed me to have a platform, you know, to go to Washington, Capitol Hill, and start uh, lobbying for, for these kids. Yeah, you've met with some gnarly people, not to spread your business. I think you posted it already. Like, you were just with the mayor, and didn't you do, like, the governor or senator? Like, you've been meeting with some, some heavy hitters, right? Yeah, you know, it, which is crazy. I, you know, I spoke at the Library of Congress. Yeah, that's what in, I in said. July. Yeah. You know, I've become personal friends with some of the senators and you know, I'm just a Canadian boy trying to you know, <laughs> trying to, try to, try to change the world, politics. you know. <laughs> it's uh, you know, it's amazing what kind of path God puts you on. So if you ask me ten years ago, this is what you're gonna be doing, I would have oh yeah, okay, whatever. Yeah, right. Beat it. You know? And I think I was the first one ever to you know, Canadian. To speak on the Library of Congress on a topic. Well, you know, why, why would a Canadian be up there? Yeah, right. No, right. I, I could talk to anybody. Yeah, because that's that's hot. You know, God's gift. You know, bless me the gift to to talk because I gotta fake it till I make it. Well, I was gonna say maybe that's probably a bit of like a survival mechanism oh. for the fact that maybe you know you do need to keep up a front. Like, hey, I'm, you have I to. can speak. I'm well. I can. I'm cool guy. I can talk. Whatever. You know what I mean? Just don't ask me to read that. Well, and that, and that's whatever, what it is. You know? you know, I gotta I gotta hide it. You know, I'd yeah. rather talk. Yeah. And then you know, instead of somebody asking me a question and I gotta dive into something, yep. I'll jump on top of them, and you know, and lead that conversation so it never comes back to me. It never comes back to me. 
I'm not comparing the two, but I struggle with like physical anxiety pretty badly mm-hmm. and like weird stuff, like just sitting here and I'll have a sensation I'm going to pass out because I don't like the light. Yeah, like yeah. That, like a lot of that post-concussion stuff, obviously yeah. that you know way more about than me, but a lot of that <laughs> yeah, jazz. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, I'll find myself steering and dominating and like almost peacocking because like I'm literally feel like I'm going to die. I'm having yeah, yeah. anxiety attack inside. Yeah. So let me just like present as such and kind of puff the chest outside so yeah. that we don't have to like go down that road or whatever. And you don't want to go down that road. At all. You don't open. You don't know if that can of worms, Mm-mm. you know, and that's that's what it is. And again, for myself, people, everybody knows who I am. They're fans, right? I don't know them, but I've got to talk to them. Yes, you know. So I work with a lot of a lot of people, you know, alcoholics, and I've I've had a lot of them say to me that I I deliver a message to them in ways that they've never heard it. Yeah, and that's that. You know, that's where I know I'm supposed to be when it comes to advocating for you know for these kids. To dummy it down to the, you know, instead of doctor terms. Yeah, and you're, you're a, a regular guy, right? Yeah. A man's we, man. Listen, uh, we put our pants uh, on the same today. Yeah, but I'm just like, a, 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 you're a Joe Q, like, not to stereotype. You got the truck and the tattoos. <laughs> and the thing, you know what I'm saying? Like, whatever. Like, a man, you can, so you can maybe talk to a guy a little differently as opposed to like, oh, well, you, you know, like you said, medical terms or whatever. You can be like, dude, here's what's up. Here's what we're I all did. The, we're all the same. Yeah. You know, I play hockey. Great. No big deal. Yeah. We're all the same. We shop at the same grocery store. I'm the same as you. I got problems just like you. Yeah. Also, huge deal. Point completely taken. <laughs> so cool. You got to play in the NHL for so long and have such a career. Because, like, you weren't super highly touted coming in, right? No, I was, you know, always ranked uh, with the ugliest and the slowest. <laughs> <laughs> well. You know, I was, I, you know, I got drafted in the sixth round and because of my skating, how bad it was. Vancouver? Yep. And they never, never thought I'd make it, but. I just, you know, I grinded it out, you know. The one thing that you can't control is your work ethic, and that's yeah. just try to outwork everybody every day. It had, because, like, obviously, like, people come and people go, and, you know, I'm just ca- casually observe hockey, but I was around the league for a while, and just, like, so you'd be surprised, and I won't name names, like, maybe a highly touted pick, and you're like, oh, this dude's going to be the guy, and then he kind of oh. fizzles away, and then, like, maybe a guy like you, where you're like, oh, maybe... Whatever, maybe you'll get a cup of coffee up in the show and then have a good career, you know, in the minors. Yeah. And then they just last for a decade plus in the show. Like, that's pretty cool. So I would say hockey is 90% mental, 10% physical. You think so, for real? Yeah. I don't know the game well enough to comment on Well, it. you know, life is that way. Yeah. So, you know, what's your strongest muscle in your body? To Yeah. So, you know, like, if you wake up in the morning, you're like, oh, shit, I'm tired. Guess what? You're tired. When you were playing hockey, would you have to maybe outsmart someone due to, like, say they're just, like, the fastest defenseman <laughs> in the world, and yeah. it's Duncan Keith or whatever, and you, but you're smart enough to know, like, oh, geometry-wise, it's probably going to end up there, so let me take... Yeah, that was my anticipation. Let me take this route instead. Yeah, my anticipation. So I almost knew where you were going before you did. Yeah. And... That's the only reason why I played as long as I did. Like yeah. I said, I was always one of the slowest in the NHL, but I knew exactly where where you were going and was able to angle you off or whatever that is. And then, you know, coming to the end of my career, blocking shots. You know, my spatial awareness of where I was on the ice, 
plus of being completely retarded that I wanted to take slap shots <laughs> to the head. Right. Not, was that not, so, you know, not okay. 364 more days and we'll have to go more. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. That was you. Well, I, that's one That's one of my vivid memories of you. Like, it's funny, back then, whatever it is, 10 years ago, not knowing you personally really as much then, I remember this guy's a maniac. You would just sacrifice your body like crazy, especially in that 2010 playoff run. Yeah. It seemed like you were getting dinged every time. You know, when I was here at the Olympics, and I remember this, so I fell the night before the Olympic break, feet first into the boards. I ended up getting plantar fasciitis. From the, yeah, going from the into impact. the boards, really? Okay. So and I remember, you know, joking, no, no, I had it for the Bulls. Yeah, it was like a big deal. So, yeah, we both had it at the same time. Uh, I didn't miss a game. I wore a walking boot for like two months. You know, take a walking boot to the game, you know, play the game, put it back on. But I took an injection, I think it was like 45 games in a row to play. Jesus. What, where do you think that comes from? Like, everyone just says hockey tough and hockey tough and blah, blah, blah. But, like, how do you overcome... If I had plantar fasciitis right now, I you everyone would hear about it. I'd be tweeting about it. I wouldn't be going to dinner because I don't want to limp. And it, you know what I mean? Like, how do you find that inner fortitude to just keep going back for you more? Know, for me, I was so afraid, petrified of the real world. Yeah. You know, I broke so many bones. And I think every bone I broke, I finished the game. It's insane. You know, so after, you know, for example, in Montreal, I broke my hand in Tampa Bay. And we flew, flew home. So I went in the morning to, uh, to the hospital, got a cast, you know, went to the game. Doctor said, you can't play. Well, I didn't tell the trainer. Right. You just went and played. Went and played. Doc showed up, walked, or, you know, game just started. Fuck, he's going nice. I was playing. That was the night that Max Pacioretty got turnbuckled. Oh, you broke your hand that... So, no, I was playing with the, with the with cast. With a broken... Yeah. In a, I'll, I'll show you the cast. This thing, you know... And then obviously had to have some kind of like... It had to be tailored away where it went under your was, glove, yeah. right? I had, I had gloves custom made all the time because I was breaking my hand. To, you know, I always looked at it. If the puck hit me, I knew it was going in that. Which I get... And God bless you, and it and it sustained your career. But it's maybe I'm just getting old. In hindsight, it's like please don't hit me with anything. Well, now I always think I'm 43, but my body's 63, my brain's 73. <laughs> so I'm just waiting for my handicapped parking <laughs> sticker. Yeah, right, right. Soon enough, you'll be you'll be good to go. You'll be good to go. I remember it was so stupid that, uh, and some of my buds have heard this story. But I was the. Um, we would play basketball at you know like noon yeah. ball in the in the office. Sometimes I got to play at the United Center, which was super cool. But anyway, one day I dislocated my pinky playing noon ball, <laughs> and I called Gapper, yeah, yeah. who was the head trainer of the Blackhawks. For those who don't know, and I just said, "Hey, Gap, no big deal. Here's what happened. My pinky was hanging out the side." <laughs> yeah, yeah. He goes, "Well, what'd you do?" I was like, "I threw it back in. Like, fine." Yeah. He's like, "Ice it up. You're fine." He's like, "Cool." A couple days go by, whatever. It's still all mangled. Yeah, so yeah. I was like, "Gap, I don't want to be a wimp, but." <laughs> I think you got to look at this thing. He's all right, come down, go down, get the x-ray, the whole deal, blah, 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 blah. He's like, you're fine. I'm like, okay, cool. Weeks later, I still can't straighten it. I can't do anything. So anyway, flash forward, This that was like 10 years ago. I still have this mangled ass pinky that won't straighten yeah. out at all, which is fine. And that is when I learned the difference between hockey tough and regular guy office wow. tough. Because I'm like, Gap, this pinky's not fine. It was never fine. I love you. It obviously required surgery and six months of tweeting and complaining. Chicks love the... And, he, and he was he was like, oh, no, it's fine. I'm like, Gap, 
I, come on, babe. I'm not Sopo, babe. Give me a Power School stick on this or something. You know? Give me a Band-Aid. Give me a Tylenol. So that's when I learned a, a fraction of what maybe Hockey Tough is. You know, it, there, there's obviously for me, like I said, I was so petrified of the real world that it didn't matter. Yeah. So here's, here's my hand. Oh, God. That he's showing us this gnarly, disgusting... So that's the cast they played with. No. So they molded it. They molded it. That's two fingers like that. So you're holding it almost like a yeah. like a pool cue. He's showing us this picture of this cast where his hand is basically molded in a cast to the shape of holding a hockey stick, but, yeah. but with two fingers and a thumb. Yeah. No. I just loaded my pinky, and I was done for life, and I'm still talking <laughs> about it on podcast. You know, ago. it's... But, you know, the way... It, hockey's a business. So if I have a guy, I'm out, and the guy behind me comes and plays well, guess what? Now I'm screwed. Yeah. No, I get, I. It makes perfect sense. I get it. I just compliment the. You know, the I, I lived in a different light, light with the fear of you know the real world, and I would have yeah, done anything, yeah. and I did anything. I you know I had three hundred discs in my back now, and my knees, you know, I'm mangled. But. But it worked, and you got to do what you love, and you got to. I'll never win the Stanley know, Cup and the whole deal. You know, I'll never, I'll never complain. Yeah, I'm like completely retarded. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Taking one timer slap. You know, Shane Weber, 110 mile an hour. I remember some of them, man. Where you just you're putting that knee down. And I'm like, so you're gonna, you're gonna die, bud. Like, I got please, some permanent swelling in my please. legs. Yeah, I would imagine. Yeah. I have vivid memories of you going down to one and getting popped in the ankle on the boot and just being like, oh my God. Thanks. I really hope we win, but please stop doing this. Also, take one more because I really, oh, want, I really want to win the Stanley Cup. And that was it. You know what? There wasn't a day where I cared. Yeah. Well, I suppose that's how it's got to be, right? Just hair on fire, careless. If you're going to be in that zone <laughs> if, at the time, yeah. maybe you know, not a long-term strategy. but Definitely not a long-term strategy, but, you know, everybody's a key piece to win. You know, when you win a Stanley Cup, you win with your third and fourth line and your back half of the D-man. You know, I'll take the hard minutes. I'll, I'll eat those yeah, pucks. Hell yeah, Let, you know, the good players like Duncan Keith, Brett Seabrook, go and do what they need to do. Um, what was it like? when you guys finally did it and you won the Stanley Cup? Because, I mean, you're from Canada. You had already been in the league for years at that point. Like, how, how'd that moment in time feel to you? Well, you know, I had, I had won the Stanley Cup probably a million times in the outdoor rink growing up. And, right. But I knew, you know, my career was coming to an end. And I knew that I was going to have one shot. And I said to Mer- I said to Hosea, because that was his third in a row. He lost two in a row. I'm like, fucking better win. Yeah, let's go. You know, because I knew that was my one chance. And uh, still surreal that I actually did win it and um, go down like, go down as the top Stanley Cup winning team drinking. <laughs> Wait, what'd you do on uh, on your cup day? What'd you do? Actually, uh, you know, I I had my place in, in Hinsdale. See, when I started with with the Hawks, my kids were closer to age to Kane and Taves than I was to Kane and Taves. Right. You know, so kids dictate where you're going to be, and they had family and friends and schools, and so I just kept it in town and took it to the hospitals and police nice. stations and, and that kind of stuff. That's awesome. That's fun. Um, how was that just, like, in the room or whatever when you're dealing with younger guys? Because hockey's that kind of sport, too. I think, like, Kane and Tate started when they were 18 years old yeah. at the big league level, as I call it, baseball uh, term, but, like, whatever. That's, you know, that's why, you know, when I Dale Talon signed me, and that's what he, he brought me in. He brought me into teach you know the kids the game yeah. you know the pro game on and off the ice and uh what you got to do and how, you know, how to handle it and you know i was an offensive defenseman until i got to chicago yeah you were a power play guy and doing all kinds of yeah. different roles, the coaches right? said, said listen we brought you in for a role player you're not going to play power play we're gonna you know i want you to work with these guys 
So I'm driving home. I'm like, damn. Like, if I don't change my game right now, you know, I'm going to get ran out. Yeah. So that was me driving home going, okay, now I'm going to go be a defensive, defensive shot blocker. Whatever it takes. Mm-hmm. Um, what was right after Hawks? Thrashers? And with yeah. That buff so line, it was you, Buff, and someone else. Eager, lad. You know, that's yeah, when they got rid of Hawks half, South, half the right? Yeah, 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 that's when it all went down. Yeah. And then it was just a short stint there for you, right? Half a season or something? And then yeah. Montreal? Yeah, I got went to the trade deadline, went to Montreal. Yeah. And that was the year Boston won. So they beat us in Boston, game seven in overtime. So you were smelling at least the opportunity for maybe another one. I think I end up losing to the eventual Stanley Cup winner five times. Oh, that's career. brutal. Well, you said that Hosa thing, though, and I'll butcher what it's, he did, but when he was at Detroit and then Pittsburgh, yeah. whichever one, and he was on the losing side both times. That's why I said to him, hey, 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 all right, uncle. Yeah. You know, don't do this. No three-peat. Yeah, don't. Uh, you know. we, can't, we can't have this, but we got to do it. Uh, not to put you on the spot, and whatever, it's, it's all great, but did you have, like, a favorite franchise that you played for? It was, like, Vancouver home because it was your first one? You know, Vancouver like, obviously got drafted there. You know, you know, there's no other city like Vancouver. Yeah. You know, Chicago, obviously home. You win a Stanley Cup, but I loved Atlanta. Really? Okay, the cool. South. You know, you know, I'm a Canadian farmer. You know, hold the door, good morning. You yeah, know, that, kind of, that kind of stuff. I, I, I did really enjoy that. Touche. And the weather was nice. Oh, and you saw the sun more than once a week here, like not in Chicago. So I, I, I really did. Um, I just, I liked the people. Yeah. Yeah, I really did. I almost landed in Atlanta too. So I basically did like an internship with the Hawks, and then it ended. Okay. And I, uh, the Thrashers offered me a job. All right. And I was down there in the yeah, whole yeah. deal, and right before I took it. The Blackhawks called back and yeah. said, "No, can you stay?" Yeah, yeah. So I was this obviously, close. Yeah, no, I, I, I loved it. Like I said, the weather was obviously nice, but just the southern hospitality. Yeah, what I really enjoyed. I think I'm more of a southern boy at heart too. It's uh, you know, south side of Chicago. It's, not that it matters, but it's the same kind of stuff. You're more just like doing the blue collar. At, at the end of the day, we're all we're all the same thing. Yeah. You know, a good morning, how you doing? Hold the door. It's yeah, just, it goes a long ways. I agree. I agree. So. Hockey's beautiful. You're doing your thing. Somewhere, what'd you say, 32, 33, you yeah. figure out the dyslexic thing. But you're still playing in the league at that point. Yeah. So when I got my daughter tested, and that, you know, so that and the, how we connected the dots, me having it. Yeah. You know, so I still played the league for for a few more years. Was it different playing in the league, having known that you had the diagnosis, whatever you want to call it, versus when you were kind of just flying blind not really not much change like a little light bulb going okay there was something there maybe i'm not that dumb yeah um but i had gone so long you know through all the pain and i was still playing so my focus was not on learning how to read or trying to better myself you know that wasn't and i've got too many scars and pain from you know all those years of it so like i said light bulb went off thinking okay maybe i'm not that dumb yeah you know, but I was more focused on my daughter and making sure she had the resources and everything she needed to succeed. So she she has dyslexia as well. Yeah. Her so her diagnosis came back positive. Or yeah, you yeah. might say, hey, yeah. you got it. And they were like, hey, let's test dad well, too because maybe and, they got some similar traits. Yeah, and there's some answers that are like, okay, that's me, that's me. You know, yeah, so yeah, it's yeah. my daughter's really happy. It, you know, dyslexia is hereditary, so she was very happy that I shared it with her. Uh, yeah, well, <laughs> but at least you guys have each other to lean on, or like more her to you, like, hey, dad, you know, because she's got the resources now, right? And that's and that and that's the thing. If you don't have it, you don't understand. Yeah, you know. So yeah, you know, she can look at me, and I know exactly you know what's going on, and that's what my foundation is all about for every single kid out there. I talk to parents and people and kids um, around the world. 
hockey coaches, baseball coaches, how do you handle them? What do I do? Because it's that self-esteem, that inner battle that you don't know. So how'd you get to the point of, okay, I'm getting out of the league now. I got to figure out my next step. You're obviously super passionate about this cause, but that's a huge jump from just like that to having, hey, I have the Brent Sopel Foundation and it's like a legitimate thing and, you know, whatever. How'd you really turn the corner on that and decide this is what you're running with? You know, leaving the game, you know, it was a struggle. Heavy into drugs and alcohol, you know, so I got an intervention and thrown into rehab and had to do a lot of work on myself. And a lot of it came back to, you know, my struggles. You know, so I had to look at who I was and what I was. And knowing that I'm not going to change who I am, but I can change the kids that are coming up. Yeah. Because, again, it's, you know, if you're blind, you can see something. You know, if you're handicapped, you can see that autistic. But that inner dyslexia, mental health, if you can't see it, you don't understand it. Yeah. And it was all those struggles for all those years, all those crazy rituals where people thought I was completely off my rocker that, you know, I did, I never want another kid to feel that way. Yeah. And that's in that, literally that my story is not for me. It's for them. Yeah. It's pretty cool. as like you get a little older in a few more years, you can look back and be like, oh, like a lot of people just put their, their feather in their hat of like, oh, I was, I was an NHL player or whatever. But like, oh man, wait, we're still super young relatively. Yeah. And there's like, Speak kn- yourself. Well, knock on wood, there's another, you know, if we're knock on wood lucky enough to live to 100, like, holy shit. I still no, have please, I don't want to live to 100. But I got the back nine to play here, you know what I mean? So maybe it's not about me at all, you know what I mean? You know, I'm thinking of this, what's my legacy going to be? Yeah. Uh, yes, a portion will be um, hockey, but I want it to be the foundation where I was able to help anybody and everybody advocate for alcoholics, dyslexics. Yeah. And, you know, you know, you're talking about Republicans, Democrats, it doesn't matter. Those kids are the future. Yeah. And there's some brilliant kids out there that could change the world that won't get the opportunity. And at the risk of being a hippie, I think it's super cool, too, that knowing that this is going to be your legacy, that you were able to be so good at hockey, that you have kind of like a platform to do it. Not that you wouldn't do it anyway. It's just, it's way easy. It's, there's a bit of a launching pad and you could say Stanley Cup champion Brent yeah. Sopel 100%. wants to talk to you about dyslexia as opposed to like gas attending yeah. Brent Sopel wants Brent to talk Sopel to working on the farm they don't want to talk to you. Yeah, yeah. you know what I mean? So that's, I, in a hippie way, I like that, you know, I'm kind of into that, like why why this beget that domino and it's, you know, so on and so forth. You no, know, it's, it's amazing how God lays things out. Did I think 10 years ago I'd be sitting here next to you and you know, doing what I'm doing? I would have told you you're full of it. Yeah. But, you know, here I am. And, and you're right. I, you know, I have a platform to help. And I, I've got to, you know, dyslexic have an extra empathy chip. I care. You know, I think back in high school, I, I used to work, to ha- work with the handicapped kids every day. Because you're probably thinking, even on a subconscious level, I don't want anyone else to feel yeah. icky. Like, I feel so gross all the fucking time or icky or whatever. Yeah, I'm going through stuff. I don't want anyone else to feel no, like that. And that, yeah. I, I struggle every day. Yeah. And I don't want them. And, so, you know, putting it back, you know, that's how far back, you know, call me to him, I'm going to help you, you know, social media, hit me up, you know, I've worked with alcoholic, I work with anybody, you know, we're all the same, you know, the world's, uh, you know, I, I say my mind, you know, 80% of us have something going on, yeah. whatever that is, but whenever you're in a battle, you think you're alone. Yes. 
So when he, especially when you're like the cool dude, not to be a douchebag about it, but like honestly, like you're yeah. the cool NHL dude. Like, what do you mean you're in a inside bat? Like, you know, you and take pucks off the ribs. And I tell people, but you're you know you know what I mean. You're not. So alone. it's good to talk about that stuff and get you know, it out. And mental health is obviously you know um, slowly coming you know coming to the surface more and more. But you know, I didn't have cancer, so I can't tell you how chemo is going to be. Right. I have this. I got a lot of stuff, so I can tell you, you know, an eight-year-old boy or girl can't relay. You know, I just connected with a, you know, a thirty-six-year-old woman, and we've been talking for about six six weeks. She's dyslexic. She's like, "You've changed my life drastically." So she's a lawyer, but gave herself type one diabetes, going through school because of stress. So the stress of having the dyslexia while going to school she didn't know, and figuring didn't, out didn't know how. Right, right, yeah, right. yeah. So then, what am I doing? I'm stressing out, and I'm doing. So, yeah, you yeah, know, you, if right. you, if you got a paper, you got to read it five, six, seven, eight times. Yes, maybe more. Yes. Um, just random curiosity: what, this audible information, like if you listen to a book on tape versus reading it, is it? Better no, or back different? in the day, you know, obviously. We didn't have computers in school. <laughs> right. yeah. I'm just saying now, Yeah, like we had the Oregon Trail. <laughs> right. yeah, yeah. So, yeah, you know, obviously uh, technology has come a long ways. Uh, audio books, you know, an audio book, you know, for kids and they can follow it. Um, oh, at the same time. At the same time, yeah. 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 So, um, like for me, dyslexia's got I mean, a lot of variables, you know, from low to high, meaning the high and the worst is whoever that is will never read a day in their life. Yeah. Then, you know, God, you know, just slight, you know, my, my dyslexia is if I'm trying to read a word, if it doesn't spell out and sound the same, I'll never get it. Yeah. Or if I'm reading, you know, I'm so focused on each word that I don't remember what I read. Got it. You know, so there's, there's different severities, but you know, yeah, well, I don't read great, That's the thing about like mental health and other things too. It's a, it's a gradient. It's not yeah. like, oh, you have this. So well, isn't you know isn't I mean? life? Well, yeah. Everybody, yeah, everybody, there's no right or wrong. It's what works for yeah, you. Yeah, it's a gray area. You know? what, what works? Yeah. yeah. Where do you fall on the spectrum? In every, in every mm-hmm. bit of it. Yeah. No, I agree. And I think that's a good thing. But it's very hard, especially with young people, to just be like, let me put a, well, a, then, a diagnosis, a pinpoint, you know. And that's why I'm here for the young kids. Because a lot of them don't know. You know that thing when you're young, that internal battle you don't know what that is dude i have i don't know how or why i don't think actual ocd is curable i don't know but i swear to god in my life i had real life ocd for like two years as a kid to the point where like if i didn't touch my nose twice before i went to the restroom Mm -hmm. and then i had like weird stuff associated with it like something bad would happen to my brother who was like yeah. in the other classroom. And if I, and it was starting to affect like just grammar school basketball, yeah. but we'd be running a play where I have to go down to the block and I'd be like, well, you, if you don't run up and touch the three point line first before you go. And yeah. to the point where coaches are like, dude, but in my brain, I'm like, my brother's going to yeah, fall yeah. off a bridge. If I, and it's like, what? And I, it kind of just went away somehow. Like we talked to some people and stuff, but it mm. wasn't like, aggressive amounts of cognitive therapy or anything like i talked to a few people oh thank god it went weird, away and it weirdly faded away yeah. it's funny because it still happens now but it's just like way down on the gradient where i'm just like shut the, shut up brain and, yeah your brain shut up i'm not touching, yo, that, I'm not know, touching my nose the brain's the worst friend, so you know question the thank brain's you. the worst thing out there you know that time you thinking you know when you're a kid what is that why 
Right. You know, you know, for dyslexics, so, you, know, you know, the simple thing of reading, you know, so you look to your left and right, why can they do it? Why can't I? And What's wrong with me? It's such a fundamental part of when you're like, you're a little kid, when that's you're it. a baby, like, here's your book, read your book, nighttime story, book, book, book. Like, oh, you used to get a ribbon if you would read yeah. this certain book. And, and that's it. And you could do it. So your main reading area is grade three and four. Yeah. So if you don't diagnose dyslexia before then, those scars will never heal. That's so wild. Um... You're doing a bit of coaching, right, too, on the side a little bit? Yeah. Like, still, too? Yeah, no, this is my first year coaching, uh, U16, U18. Um, anybody dyslexic on the teams that you know about? Yeah, you know what? It's like it goes back to it's funny. You know, I haven't coached till now. You know, got a kid with bipolar depression. Got a, um, a kid where his dad passed away. You know, um, there's a lot of kid with dyslexia. So I'm there to build men, not hockey players, and that's the way I coach. It's almost like when you came in the league, not to tie that back in, but like, hey, you're here to mentor the young guys and be the Bull Durham, the Kevin Costner yeah. guy in the room, maybe not necessarily to score a million goals. And I'm a complete nut job on the bench. Yeah, and now it's kind of the same thing, though. You're you here know, to shape. I karaoke, air guitar. <laughs> Beautiful. You know, full, full air guitar, literally karaoke, I just you know make jokes, make nicknames of of kids, and have fun. I bet the guys love it though. Like you take things for granted. I could never imagine one of my coaches was a professional, let alone like a Stanley wow. Cup champion, dude. Like honestly, not to gas you up, like we didn't have any of that. I love all my coaches, but I never knew anybody that played in the league. Are you kidding me? My kids, they're my like those are my kids. Yeah, that's why I look at it. So everybody in Illinois knows who I am. Because I scream and I'll motherfuck the refs because those are my kids. Yeah. So if they're going to get hurt, I lose my mind. Yeah. So everyone knows who I am, but my kids know I got their you back. You got their back. You know? <laughs> oh, so I coach, you know, No Shirt Sunday. Another photo here. No Shirt Sunday, just a puffy vest with no sleeves and a chain and a backwards that's, hat. That's that's how I coach. It might be Biker Sunday, that's, but <laughs> no, that's no how, Shirt that's, Sunday. That's how I coach. That's hilarious. You know, because... Hockey's the best game to build fundamentals of life. Yeah. You know, and yo, so we had a bad game and they didn't play hard. Hey, you might have a bad boss. Guess what? You still got to do it. Yeah. You know, so I'm always te- you know, teaching these life lessons because that's, that's what it's about. Hockey, I fell in love with. I never played hockey. I played baseball and basketball my whole life mm. through college. Never played hockey. Just playing rat hockey sometimes after I got to the Blackhawks mm. and Fart North. Like, I fell in love with it. I was like, I want to. It's a great. I want to do this, like it's a it's a it's a great sport. You know, uh, the sad part of it, just like anything else, it's it's gotten to be a business. Yeah, and it's not about the kids. And you've got this spring hockey and this kind of stuff where the, the kids should be playing two sports. And you know, it's the world. Yeah. You know, everything's you know everything's a business. You got to make money. And um, but you're right, it because it is such a great game. It's for girls and boys. And I love the fact, too, in hockey, like, you get a shift at a time, right? So, like, even if you're the LeBron James of hockey, right? If you're Sidney Crosby or Patrick Kane, you're still only out there for, what, 50 seconds a clip or whatever. I'm not saying anything dumb, but, you know, how long is a shift? And, you know, the media always gets upset with hockey players because we'll give you the generic lines. Because at the end of the day, it's a team game. Yeah, it really is. There's no LeBron James in hockey because you can't. It's impossible. You can't just run LeBron 40 minutes. You can't have Kane out there 40 minutes. You know what I mean? And if you're, you know, we got a bad apple in the dressing room, I get, you know, that takes effect because if you don't buy in, you know, 2010 when we won, 
was the closest knit team that I've ever been a part of. Yeah. Everybody would sacrifice for everybody. And we won. Goes to show you, though. Good lesson yeah. for the guys you're coaching now. When you're, you know, I always say it's an 82 game warm up. Like, so we got to play 82 games just to get in. And then you got to win those 60 games, or 16 games. It's a war. With a guy who played like you played, at least in 2010, I'll, I'll yeah. use that as a moment of time of like, you know, taking pucks and going to the corner, like, you know, being that guy. Because it's an 82 game warm up, did you have to, do you have to change your game or take the gas off the pedal a little bit on purpose to like preserve? body or anything you know what i mean like no you know what my story is a little bit interesting so you go um winter classic in wrigley you get sidebar coolest moment ever i don't know i wasn't there um sorry i'm just kidding so i had surgery on my elbow blackhawks you know said to me either you go to rockford or you have surgery so they didn't want me on the team anymore so I, so I feel like an ass. So I, <laughs> it was so a cool just, moment for me. I like so, it. So I, I took it. the surgery. You know, I I, I had uh, my tendon, they cut my tendon off. So there's two anchors and screws in here. Yeah. And that's the surgery I stayed awake for. Um, what do you mean you stayed awake for? Purposely or like the anesthesia wore off? No, I, no, I personally I asked to stay awake for surgery. Why surgeries. would you do that? I like pain. The, the outer pain, the inner pain that I feel every day. Yeah. And, you know... Now it's like a manifestation. Yeah, I take it on the outer, you know. And Doctor Terry was so pissed. It was his first surgery in Northwestern, and I'm awake, and I'm like, "Hey, Doc, where's the suggestion box?" Oh God. So it's what? I'm like, "No, Doc, where's the suggestion box? I don't, you know, it's your first surgery. I want to make this better for you. Just shut up. Shut what? Fuck up, yeah. Hey, Doc, this bed's really hard." You know, and then Doc Terry goes on to be like one of the most like accomplished, so pissed, sur- surgeon, so of pissed, all time yeah, and the whole deal. You know, he was so bad, but you know, surgery thirty minutes, I'm leaving, done. That's crazy. I get why your brain gets there, but I don't want any pain ever. <laughs> Call me a, a, a wussy. I don't want pain ever. I live with it. No, with th- no, thanks. I got three hundred discs my back. Both my knees are bad. I have mild arthritis in my right <laughs> knee from Division Three hoops, and I want to take seven aspirin every day. But anyway, you were leading to a story about taking the gas off during the season to preserve the body for the long term. You said it's so, you know, so I had that, from the surgery. So I had that surgery. At, you know, the year we ended up lost in the conference final, 9 to the Red Wings. I didn't play. I had to come back to training camp and remake the team. They had me scheduled to go to Rockford. It's no shit. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. And because the Winter Classic was nine. Yeah. That was the year before so, the Cup. Yeah. So then. So you were almost like a. Like an invite so that back, was back to you know Dennis Savard fired yeah Quinn Bill, you know the Q came in didn't like me you know I had the surgery so I had to come back in remake the team they had me scheduled so I had beat so I had to beat somebody out so yeah. no there was no you know laying off the gas because my life was on the line yeah and that makes sense too how you said too and probably why you did have such a sustainable career even though your body paid the price for it because there is no the second you let up there's going to be some 25 year old kid who skates a million miles an hour and, 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 and you know has a, has a 200 mile an hour we, slap shot and if I don't know. block shots you know that that had to be my game if yeah, I didn't what do else it am I doing? you know so I wasn't effective yeah you know so I was I didn't care whatever it took well hell it worked you made the team yeah, no, I had to literally make remake the team. Had to beat out somebody, you know, get sent to Rockford, and uh, you know, battle my way to to the end. That's why. And then they end. I forget. You know, my timelines are off, but they they 
signed you for a year deal, right, the Hawks? And then yeah. they re-signed you for like a two or three year deal, yeah. right? So I, uh, I um, signed a one year deal. Yeah. And Dale Talent came in and you know, it was again we talked about the mentor. He, you know, had a good, had a good start to the year, and just loved how I you know was molding the guys. And so then he signed me to you know, to an extension, and um, that was what they wanted to bury the money in uh, in the miners. Yeah, got it. Man, so so wild how the business side. Because I remember, like, I was I was a young punk, and I was just like office dude in the Hawks, not in hockey ops at all. So you know, just mm. whatever. And the, I remember just the transition from like when I came in, it was like it was Dale and yeah. it was Dennis Savard and like Martin Havlat and uh, 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 Marty Lapointe. Marty Lapointe. Uh, Arguably, things changed at the yeah. time. It was my favorite Blackhawk. Yeah. The point was just my my dude. I didn't even know the guy. I was like, this is my dog. Yeah, yeah. And then it was crazy that I remember when, like, I'm going to say the wrong things. Havlat went away, I think, as part of the HOSA deal. Doesn't matter. And I remember being like, because I don't know how yeah, yeah. at all. Like, you can't get rid of Havlat. You know what I mean? Like, this dude's silky. Yeah. He's, and then it slowly turned into, like... All, loving all those guys, but like Q, Kane, Tay, you know, yeah. and then the noose, and I was like, oh, maybe maybe this is going to work out okay. Well, you know, <laughs> you know? Marin Hosa was the key to everything. He's a stud, man. Yeah, what a specimen on and off the ice. You know, sure, first part Hall of Famer, and nobody, he doesn't get the, you know, recognition, Yeah, but he was, he was, he was unbelievable. He was the reason why we won. He, more things I'm going to mess up, Game six, Nashville, a couple years later, he ties one or whatever, and or goes whatever he did. Yeah, it was at home. He did that little celebration with the knee slide. I was just like, so, This is the coolest uh, dude I've ever met. You know who, who got an assist on that one? Who got the assist on that one? Yeah, buddy. Well, the, so that was the t- turning point that we that we won. Game six, Nashville at home. No, it was game. Game five. five we won in game home? six, so we're down. You know, we're down. Marinhos took a five-minute penalty. Yeah, with everything. Three the minutes. air comes out of the room. Mm-hmm. He's in the box for five. Sorry, the memories yeah, yeah, are yeah, coming yeah. back as you say them. You tell it, of yeah. course. So we're shorthanded. Then Kane ties game shorthanded with ten seconds left. Finish killing the penalty. Marinhos just comes out of the box, streaks out the box. I pick up the puck. You know, I I do a circle. Bowling gives it to me. Shot and back to net. Well, thank you for doing that, because that moment in that building, I'll never be the guy that, I've, even my buds, like they'll be like, oh, remember this in the third inning? I was yeah, like, yeah, no. Yeah. I, but I remember standing there in my little suit, and it was the greatest, at the time, live sporting moment that I had ever been a part of, that Nashville. We shouldn't have won. Yeah. So It was magic in the air that season, man. You know, to win the Stanley Cup, everything's going to align. Injuries, stars got aligned, yeah. you know. Martin Erat is it. He had the puck behind the net. He tried to throw it right up front. He hit the side of the net, took a funny bounce, and we went back the other way. And, and it just the kind rest of is history. bounced to you. No, I wasn't on the ice. Um, I think it was Duncan Keith that brought okay. up. You know, uh, Keith Seabrook, uh, Taylor and Ken, I, I think were out there. Again, you know, all he has to do is hold it behind the net. Yeah, that doesn't happen. Yeah, why did you? Yeah, there was there was magic in the air. Yeah, like right? you said, all the stars got aligned where. You know, you got no injuries. You know, uh, everybody's hurt, but where your top players aren't out, um, you got to get the bounces. We got that bounce. To win 16 games is, you know, nobody understands how tough that is. 16 games is a lot of games to win anywhere, anytime, let alone with those time constraints and the pressure. Well, in that year, if you remember, we started the season in Europe. 
So we had two. That was the Helsinki thing, yeah. right, or whatever. So yeah. Switzerland for two games in Helsinki. And you guys lost to the freaking the, oh, the, the, the Sets of Say Lions. The Lions, yeah. yeah I remember the Lion logo. I remember oh. that game being like, oh, here we go. It's going to be a long year. We just I was lost so to... pissed. You know, Olympic size ice. I'm the worst skater ever. Yeah. Chasing yeah, these little yeah. shits around. <laughs> then we go to Helsinki. Come back, and that was you know Vancouver Olympics that year. Yeah. So guys are playing like 110 games. Yeah, way too, way dinged up. Too much travel to the NFL. All the they, they don't play 110 games in their whole career. Yeah, right though. That's yeah, I forgot about that. I remember the lion logo again. Yeah, sets us in lions. I remember yeah, that. Yeah. I, I'm like, shut up. Yeah. And I think we were watching the game because the time difference had like some weird time. It was, back yeah, in it was eight, uh, eight hour time change. Yeah, yeah. So it's like yeah. nine in the morning. We're like, all right, Hawks, first yeah. game of the year. Let's go. The who? Beat us? Yeah, we we played two exhibition games in Switzerland and then went to Helsinki and played Florida. That's a lot of hockey. And like you said, that's an Olympic year. Mm-hmm. That's wild. Man. Good times. Thanks. Oh, for yeah. Me. No, I'm, hey, thanks I'll for, never forget thanks, them. Thanks for letting me be part of the Stanley <laughs> Cup. But thanks, thanks for winning. Where's your ring at? Just out of curiosity. Still I don't know. It? Somewhere? I th- no, I don't need no, to I see think it. I, you know, I, I don't know. I, 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 I think it's my bag. I lose it all the time. Oh, but don't lose it, please. I know. Yeah, there, yeah it there it is. Hell yeah. You know, that's awesome. Um, Good times. Yeah, the Hawks were lucky. Nice enough. A lot of teams do like a tiered ring where if you're in the office, you get like a tiered down yeah, one. Yeah. They, they kind of just gave everyone pretty much the same ring. And so I. Yeah, yeah and which is, you know, which is obviously nice to Rocky and um, to do that. And, you know, it's been an interesting transition for, you know, for the organization, you know. Well, now what? You know what I mean? You made it to the mountaintop, and now we got to figure it out. And we still got a lot of key pieces. Like, if they're Chicago fans, and we still have our Canes and Taves and Keats and Crawfords of the world, but like, you know, everything's got to change. Yeah, we got, you know, we got spoiled. Three, you know, three and six. You know, they, you know, everybody thought it was easy. It is the furthest thing from easy. Well, and also just fan perspective, (laughs) I would have signed a contract in 2008 that said, hey, we're going to win three. And then maybe we won't win for oh. a long. I would have oh. said three. three. I would have signed it for one. One hundred percent. Well, talking to the old timers, that's disrespectful. The legends like Bobby yeah. and those guys. They they. I think it was Eric Nestor. Somebody was telling me years ago that they all thought they were going to win again the next year after sixty one because right. they still had Bobby and Stan yeah. and the whole crew was basically together. They were like, oh, we're going to win, and they never got another one. Yeah. I remember them telling me that as we were. You know, I say through. we because yeah, yeah. I was there. I was, you know, and, and look like, at the St. Louis Blues. Three is so special. St. Louis Blues came in the league. They went to the final. Never got there again till last year. Yeah, it's crazy. It's the hardest trophy to win. You know, the league is such parity now that you're lucky to win. Yeah. And if you're there, make the most of it because you don't know if you'll ever get there. Well, that's what I'm saying. To get two and three and then like all the diehards go, well, possibly four when with that yeah. Los Angeles game seven. Oh, no, we're all, was, no, everybody's you know all mean? pissed off again. You know, one again. Yeah. yeah. It's it's Car, not that I easy. I know. It's, it's <laughs> tough. Uh, listen, I want to be cognizant of your time. What do we need to know about the Brent Sobel Foundation? Where, where, where can we go? How can yeah. we help? What's What do we need to know about what's next? Well, you know, Sobel. BrentSobelFoundation.org. Obviously, you can go online and, uh, you know, Take a look at uh, all the information. Um, you can find me all over social media. You know, if you got a concern, you know, with uh, with dyslexia, with drug addiction, with uh, anything, reach out to me. You know, I'll help out anybody. Anybody can. You know, um, no matter where you are, I, 
I put a kid in rehab in Vancouver. It took me four months to get him there. Don't know who he is. Yeah. But I don't care. I put your pants, my pants on the same as you. Uh, I think it's noble. I think it's awesome. I think it's really cool that hockey was such an important part of your life. But then you're realizing that you're worth that this new chapter is probably what you're going to hang your hat on for the for the legacy. Well, hopefully. Um, or maybe you'll do this for 20 years and then something else cool will pop up. Time will tell. <laughs> you never know. Um, and then obviously just saying that too, like this will be on my website and other places. If anybody really feels like they need to get in touch, you know, just jump yeah. in my DMs too and I can I can help out. But I think it's great, man. I think you're a noble dude, noble cause, and I appreciate you talking to us. I'm honored to be number one. Number one. <laughs> now I have to drop it first. No matter what. Brent Sobel, first ever, what am I calling this? First ever Southside Perspective Podcast. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, Robert.